0: coming up now on Established in the Faith. One day when you stand before God, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and the books are open, there's no need to be afraid because all of your sins has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ never to be remembered against you anymore. have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me please to the book of Second Samuel, the book of Second Samuel chapter 12, we're going to begin with the first verse today, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came in unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor, the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him, and with his children. It did eat of his own meat, drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared not to take of his own flock, of his own herd, but instead he dressed for the wayfaring man. That came unto him, and took the poor man's lamb, and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man and i want to stop right there and use that as my subject this morning thou art the man let's go to lord in prayer and ask for his help today heavenly father lord i thank you for every person that is under the sound of my voice today and lord there are many needs needs of which oh god that only you can meet And I ask this morning that you will use me today, Lord, anoint me today to rightly divide this word of truth, Lord, that the needs will be met, that the questions will be answered, that, Lord, your people will be drawn closer to you. Is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. The Bible tells us that God sent Nathan the prophet unto David to confront David concerning his sin with Bathsheba and then having her husband murdered. This was a touchy situation. I'd hate to have to be in Nathan's shoes. If the situation is not handled correctly, David could very easily give the word and have Nathan's head cut off. So no doubt, as the Lord dealt with Nathan to go to David concerning this confrontation, Nathan goes to the Lord. And I can only imagine what that prayer would be. Lord, help me to say it right. Help me, Lord, to say that which needs to be said. Let me tell you this. The Bible is the inspired Word of Almighty God. In Second Peter, it tells us that God moved upon holy men of old, and they spake as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. How exactly did that work? Did they go into a trance? Did God possess them against their will? No, it wasn't anything like that, but the Holy Spirit searched through their vocabulary and chose the exact word that he wanted used for each sentence. And Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And let me tell you this. The King James Version of the Bible is a word-for-word translation out of the original Greek and Hebrew languages. All of these other so-called translations today, they are not translations. They are interpretations. They are thought-for-thought interpretations. And I say all of that this morning... Because you need to make sure that the Bible you're reading, that which you are studying, you need to make sure it's accurate and right. Now, there are no errors in the original text. However, when you read the King James, understand it is a translation. And sometimes things translate over a little clumsy into our English because we don't have the same number of words that the Greek and Hebrew language has. So you have to read what is said in the King James and take it within the context of which it is written. And sometimes you've got to take what is said back into the original Greek and Hebrew in order to come away with the proper understanding. But outside of that, ladies and gentlemen, there are no errors in the King James Bible. Let me read this to you. How do we know that the Bible is the inspired Word of God? Over 40 different authors wrote 66 books of the Bible during a period of over 1,800 years. And they all had one theme, the creation and redemption of the human race by God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. These books of the Bible were written by men from all walks of life, such as kings, priests, judges, lawyers, princes, Shepherds, soldiers, courtiers, statesmen, musicians, inventors, singers, poets, preachers, prophets, fishermen, farmers, tent makers, publicans, physicians, rich men, and poor men. They were written in various lands of three continents Europe, Asia, and Africa. "...they were written in different ages by many men, some who never saw each other and knew what the others wrote on the same subjects. Yet when their writings came together in one book, there is not one contradiction among them. Suppose forty medical men, each in a different land and age, would write their own book on how to cure a particular disease." What kind of cure would such collections make? How much unity would there be among their writings? Collect together 40 books on the same subject, each written by a different author, and see how many contradictions and controversies exist among the writers. Some will try to prove how the others are wrong and why his or her theory is correct. This is all too apparent to those who have read different authors on any one subject. There is no unity of thought between the books of men on any subject, but there is perfect unity between the books of the Bible, which speak of hundreds of subjects in the realm of religion, politics, science, and so forth. This proves there is a divine author, For all 66 books, who else but a divine author could produce such a work? There are no original autographs left because of age. But scholarship says that if you can find, forget about the Bible for a minute, but if you can find as many as 10 copies that are exact, on any given work, then it is considered to be authentic, right, and correct. When it comes to the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen, there are over 10,000 copies of various books from Genesis to Revelation. So be assured today, when you hold the King James Bible in your hand, You are holding the Word of Almighty God. And in His Word, we find this story of David, Bathsheba, and Uriah. Why would God place such a thing in His Word? That's a good question. I've got two thoughts on it. First of all, it shows us just how deceitful and wicked the heart of man really is. Even in those of us who are saved, not a one of us in this room could walk in David's shadow. If David could fall into sin and do what he did, where does that leave you and I? There's been a many of one from then until now who would look at that situation with David and Bathsheba and they would say, I would never do that. You may not do that, but friend, you did something else. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even those of us who were saved, we fall short of the glory of God. And God allowed this to be told concerning David. It is a warning to you and I today. We are not exempt from temptation. And all of us can fall into sin if we're not careful. Even the greatest among us, whomever that may be. Point number one. Point number two as to why I believe God put this in His Word. It is against this darkened time in David's life that we can see the grace of God. What exactly do I mean by that? When you read the books of 1 and 2 Samuel, and you read the books of 1 and 2 Chronicles, you will find... A lot of similarities, a lot of what is said here is said over there. But when it comes to this particular episode in David's life, you find it in 2 Samuel chapter 11, but when you get over to 1 Chronicles chapter 20, where this event should have been recorded, God eliminated it altogether from the Scriptures. Why? I'm going to tell you why. In First and 2 Samuel, God allowed it to be written from the standpoint and viewpoint of man. And let me tell you, man don't forget anything. Especially when it comes to sin in someone's life. But when it comes to God, the books of First and Second Chronicles is written from the standpoint of God. And God chose not to reveal this information in First and Second Chronicles because by this time David had repented of his sin and God had forgotten it. It is gone. Gone at last. Gone at last. Thank God Almighty my sins are gone at last. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Of Jesus. One day when you stand before God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And the books are open. There's no need to be afraid. Because all of your sins has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Never to be remembered against you anymore. That's grace got a question for you today. How many of you under the sound of my voice have applied the blood of Jesus Christ to the doorpost of your heart? There's going to be a many a one that stand before him one day and he'll say, depart from me for I never knew you. What an awful word to have to hear from our Savior. But how glorious it will be To hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And there will forever be with him in glory. Have your sins been washed? You see, right now, some of you, you're experiencing conviction. Because right now, you're being confronted with your sinful condition. And you're uncomfortable. Let me tell you something. Before there can be salvation and forgiveness of sins, there has to be confrontation. And let me tell you, I don't like confrontation. There's some people that's just cut out for it. They live on confrontation. They just love stirring up something and confronting people. I don't like it. But as a pastor, there comes a time when There's confrontation. Especially when members act up in the church and they're doing things they ought not to be doing. It has to be confronted. You have to deal with it. And I don't like to deal with it. I had much rather put my fingers in a door jam and slam the door on it and get it over with than to have a confrontation with people. Why is that, Brother James? Why do you care what other people think? I care about their soul. And I know that if some situations aren't handled with kit gloves, they're liable to leave the work of God altogether. And I don't want people to leave the work of God. I don't. But at the same time, I realize I can't let sin slide. I cannot let some things go because it'll tear the church all to pieces. So you're caught between the rock and the hard place. And here, God now has called Nathan to confront David, the king, who just had a man killed because he wanted his wife. And Lord, you want me to go in and confront this man concerning his sin? Don't you know he could have my head cut off? Lord, what do I say? What do I do? And the Lord told Nathan what to say. He said there were two men in one city, one rich, one poor. The rich man had plenty of flocks. The poor man didn't have anything but one little ewe lamb that he raised up, eat from his table, drank from his cup, It was like a daughter unto him. And a traveler in his journey came to the rich man. And the rich man wouldn't take of his flock, although he had thousands of sheep, would not take of his flock and prepare it for the man to eat, but instead he took the poor man's lamb, the only thing he had, and killed it and fed it to the traveler. And when David heard those words, he became so enraged, he became so angry. He said, the man who has done this thing is worthy of death. And Nathan the prophet pointed a finger at David and said, thou art the man. If you look down in verse 9, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9, he called it right out and said, You've killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the children of Ammon, you have taken his wife to be your wife. And upon hearing those words, David repented. If you look there in verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Then, if you will, go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, beginning with the first verse. David wrote this psalm after he had committed this awful sin. There are those in Christianity today who say, and particularly as it pertains to preachers, if they have committed sin, then they are no longer to be preaching the gospel, their calling of God has been withdrawn, and we do not need to be listening anymore to what they say. If that is true, if that is the case, then Psalm 51 needs to be ripped out of your Bible and thrown away along with 11 other psalms that David wrote after this sin with Bathsheba. Sometimes, the only ones who've really got anything to say are those who have been through something. And believe me, David had been through something. Let's read it, Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, bought out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. And be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which Thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide Thou face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Thy presence, take not Thou Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee perhaps david prayed this prayer in front of nathan the prophet i don't know but nathan the prophet said if you look there in 2 samuel 12 verse 13 Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. If you have committed sin against God, and I'm talking to Christians now, you need to go before God and ask Him to forgive you of that thing. And if this is a reoccurring thing that is going on in your life, you've got a stronghold there. There's a bondage there in your life. And it is not God's will for you to have that thing in your life. It's God's will for you to be free of that thing. And let me tell you, when Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, He died to set you free from every bondage, from every sin. He died to set you free. And you do not have to be dominated by sin. You can come before God and ask Him to forgive you and He'll do it. But let me tell you something. Sin has a penalty to it. Nathan told David, 2 Samuel 12, verse 10, he said, The sword shall never depart from thine house. The baby that was born to Bathsheba died. One of David's sons, killed another one of David's sons because he had molested his sister. Another of David's sons, Absalom, arose up against David and tried to take the kingdom and nearly destroyed it. When David was dying, he was led by God to give the kingdom to Solomon. But he knew that his son Adonijah would try to take it. And he did, but was killed in the process. David suffered the agony of a thousand deaths because of the sin that he committed. And God placed this in His Word. It is a warning to you and I today. You can't play with sin. Sin is a dangerous thing. It is a deadly thing. As a child of God, there ought to be a fear when it comes to sin. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252 299 242